You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio here on America's Web Radio. To our new listeners, we come to you every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. to discuss relationships and how almost everything we do in our lives affects our relationships. I come to you from sunny California, and boy, has Northern California had it over the last two and a half weeks, from fires all over the state to power outages in my very own house, and boy, um, it lets me know how much I depend on my creature comforts. Every Wednesday, sitting here with me in my studio are my director and assistant director, Ted E. Bear, and his brother, Biscuit. They are my two ragamuffin cats who actually are Facebook stars of some renown. Today, we're going to be discussing retirement. I just thought that was a good topic. Where I work, every fall, lots of people retire. And I was been thinking about, what does that mean? So I did some preparation for today's program, and I ran across some very interesting studies, which are old and very confusing to me. So the first one is a study from Boeing that found that employees who retired at age 55 live to an average age of 83, but those who retire at 65 only last on the average another 18 months. The Boeing study turned out not to be true, and it's a dated study. So that was some relief for me. In contrast to the Boeing study, epidemiologists at Shell found that on average, mortality was slightly (coughs) earlier for staff who retired at 55 than for those who worked until 65. This is also a somewhat dated study because the current retirement age is 67. Now, I looked at more research and tried to find some, but I didn't find anything that was really relevant to what I wanted to find out. So, dated or not, after finding these studies, I was completely confused, and I didn't know, and I don't know, what to believe. If you retire early, do you die sooner than those who retire later? I have no absolute answer for you. Many studies found that after one retires, they tend to reduce their physical activity, increase their drinking, and increase their food intake. There are also the economic challenges that can accompany retirement and add to stress. Today we are so fortunate to have with us Mr. Jack Veronin, who has been retired for the past 11 years. Boy, I think many of our listeners might be jealous about that. And he has created a full life for himself. I also want you to know he's the illustrator of my Let's Make a Contract books and my book that is in pre-publication called The Dumpster Dogs. So thank you, Mr. Veronin, for all of your artistic talent. And I wanted us to hear his story so that we can consider if it is time for us to retire, what we would do if we retire, And if we are single, what about romance and retirement? We have to always get to that, you know. 
So welcome, Jack, and thank you so much for joining us on Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. Well, thank you for having me. I look forward to uh, exploring this topic and having the discussion with you. Yeah, we're going to make it fun. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to retire at age 62. Well, um, <clears throat> I'm not an expert on this. Uh, this interview will be based on uh, my experience and what I've uh, gone through uh, in terms of uh, retirement. So uh, I'll just speak to you from my perspective. Um, so I decided to retire early at 62. Um, and a little about myself, I grew up in East L.A. as part of a, a Russian community that had a very strong work ethic. And I learned from very young that I had chores, I worked hard. In fact, I had my first job uh, in the fourth grade. I had my own gardening route. My uncle built a, uh, a wagon for me, and I loaded my father's gardening tools on there, and I had a route around the uh, neighborhood. So I started working very young, and I never stopped till age 62. <laughs> wow, so I was that's tired. actually exhausting. Yes, <laughs> I had enough. So did you work on weekends also? Um, I worked uh, pretty much after school or on weekends, I don't remember now, uh, at that age. And then, you know, it went on from there. I eventually did labor jobs and eventually got into uh, <clears throat> into the healthcare field and worked for a large uh a uh, very large uh, HMO for about 36 years. Did so, you like your job? Uh, I was not passionate about my job. Uh, healthcare is a very, very difficult place to endure for 36 years, and it changed a lot uh, over that 36 years. Um, I can just imagine, and it makes it much harder if we don't like our job. Uh, it was difficult. Uh, the main, what was what was difficult is I had a business background. I graduated from school from college and in business. And in business, you have to be somewhat. You have to ha have some elasticity to you. You you move this way and that way with what's going on, and and you deal with people that way. In healthcare, uh, we have a lot of technicians. A lot of doctors, a lot of nurses who were trained technically and, and went to school and learned their profession, their, their technical expertise, uh, because that's what they wanted to do. And then, as time goes on, they're promoted throughout the healthcare uh, system <clears throat> into management positions. So you had people who are trained with technical minds trying to manage with no elasticity or no understanding of people. They're more technically minded. Not everybody, but I would say the majority. There's a very difficult environment to work under. And Just imagine, because you're working with people, as you said, who are trained in one area. You're trained in the area of managing business and health care, and I don't know how the two meet because um, I work with physicians also, and I don't know that they're so business savvy, I know that they're really brilliant about medicine. <laughs> now, Jack, did you have any hesitation 
about retiring? Uh, yes. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you work your whole life, it's like dying and resurrecting. <laughs> it's a whole change of life, a lot of anxiety associated with it. Uh, my whole life I wondered, will I ever be able to retire? Will I have enough money to, to live? You think about that. And uh, that is uh, a major life change, retirement. But uh, I was very unhappy in my work. It was, it was, as you get older, it gets more, more of a strain upon you every day. And I finally did some math and figured out, oh, well, if I went out at 62, uh, you know, the present value of the money at 62 versus what staying on board, uh, really, it wasn't that much important to me. Plus, I had put away uh, for many years for this retirement as well. Well, that brings up a, an entire topic that we will probably touch on about, wow, what if you don't really have enough money to retire, but you're so done with your job? I'll come back with that. Mm-hmm. I guess we could, so we can surmise that one of the main reasons you retired is that you didn't like your job, right? That's true. Um, in fact, I'll tell you a little story. When I was young, uh, I, I had a band for many years, my own uh, musical band, put myself through school playing music. And one day I was getting my, my shoes shined, my boots, uh, ready for the job at, in the evening. And sitting next to me was what appeared to be a very successful uh, older man. He had a nice suit. He had very expensive shoes, a very expensive watch, ring, good tie on, etc. The whole thing. And I, I asked him, I said, sir, uh, can you tell me, you look like you're very successful. Can you tell me uh, what I might do that I could be like you when I'm your age? Huh. I was maybe 20, 19 at the time. And he turned to me and he said one thing. He says, find what you like to do, what your passion is, and do it. And that will lead you. Well, I didn't do that. <laughs> uh, I'm finding my passion in uh, retirement, which we'll, we may get into in this interview. But I did not. My work was not my passion. Like some people, maybe such as you in the uh, psychological field where you have passion for learning and helping people. Mine was uh, rather mundane. Yes, my no, my work is a passion and my books are a passion. So Sure. Um, but I've had a previous career that started out to be a passion. And then, you know, I think people can get bored with what they've been trained to do or what they had used to have a passion about and need a change and it's really scary to change. So That's true. Yeah. Now you've told us a little bit about where you worked and what you disliked about your job. Anything else you want to add to that? Well, it was just a a matter of uh, learning to survive and get through people. It was like going into a war zone, to be quite honest with you. They had a lot of politics and a lot of things going on. And I learned from that. You know, I became very strong uh, coming out of that, uh, and that transferred into just my daily life and my ability to... uh, to move forward uh, after retirement. So let me ask you, 
um, when you woke up every morning with the concept <laughs> and the need to go to work to show up, did you dread it? Um, sometimes. Uh, it wasn't so much a dread as that I was tired from having to survive the day in the environment at the end of the day. And uh, that that wears you down uh, in the in the last years. Uh, it was it was wearing me down as I was getting older, and I just oh, I, saw I the future in that. Just imagine on, on listeners on the twentieth of November, we're going to have Dr. Andrea Parsons. Actually, she's not a doctor; she's a uh, LFMT, LMFT, I think, or a clinical social worker. Anyway, we're going to have her on taking, talking about work stress, and we're going to touch on this, but not liking your job really creates a lot of work stress, doesn't it? Tremendous. Tremendous. Yeah. It tires you. Yeah, and I've talked to so many people over the years that say, I hate my job, and I don't want to go to it, but I just have to go to it. And I have a totally different attitude toward my job because I could retire. Actually, listeners, I'm 29, not. Um, but I love my job and I love my patients, and so it would be a, a loss for them and a loss for me. So, um, Jack and listeners, we are up on a hard break, and we will have to take that, and we will be back to you in a few minutes. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual, family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
back, you heard a, maybe a little back conversation because I couldn't hear the cue to when to return. So we're here with Mr. Jack Veronin talking about retirement today. Welcome back, listeners, and Mr. Veronin. I have another question for you. Did you plan how to use your time in retirement before you retired? Uh, no. Um, that's That never even crossed my mind. Uh, just the anxiety and the, the huge uh, commitment to retirement. It is a commitment to, to change. Uh, was enough to consume me. Uh, I did not plan. It uh, kind of took its course after I retired. So could we say you just kind of jumped into the swimming pool of retirement? That's true. And in fact, it was, I was very fortunate. Uh, I, I retired and my company that I worked for, the organization in healthcare, uh, had some projects that I had a lot of expertise after 36 years in the field, and uh, they wanted to tap into that, so they brought me back um, as a on a consulting basis, and I worked part-time from my house, uh, from my own office, uh, and it was a very good transition uh, because I was able to ease into my retirement. It wasn't just cold turkey, and there I was. I was still involved and working a little bit, and probably after about a year and a half of doing some project work uh, part-time, I finally uh, cut the strings and and went out and and was totally retired. That's really important information. So when we make a transition, perhaps it would benefit those of us who are going to retire to find a part-time job somewhere if not with the company you're leaving. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. I, I have friends who have retired, and they went nuts. They didn't know what to do with themselves uh, because you spend so much of your life working, getting up, doing things, and you're occupied and busy. When you have time on your own, uh, it's quite different. <laughs> yes, I haven't retired thinking about it, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it structures my life, and I plan everything around my work. So I can see where people would feel like they're in a rowboat without an oar swimming upstream if they retire without a plan. So I want to ask you, Jack, uh, or tell you, I have many patients who are considering retirement, but they have no interest outside of their work and maybe an occasional golf game. Did you have hobbies before you retired, and if so, what were they, and did they change after you retired? Uh, yes, I have always been active and had passions that were not my work. <laughs> uh, I, I, I probably did any of these as the gentleman on the uh, shoe shine told me to do. I probably would have uh, still be working. However, uh, I do have hobbies <clears throat> that that I, I was involved with before I, I retired. Uh, I, I am a gardener. I, even though I started in the fourth grade, that stayed with me up to this day. I, I love to get out and grow roses and flowers and vegetables and fruits. Uh, so that uh, that has always with, been with me. And, and Available to hire? 
No. <laughs> and um, and then I've I I love music. Uh, as I said earlier, I put myself through school, uh, having my own band and uh, playing jobs. So uh, I gave it up for many many years. <clears throat> and uh, after I retired and moved to the mountains, my neighbor uh, <clears throat> encouraged me to pick up. Pick up music again, and we get together every now and then and play. And uh, and so I um, I I am involved in music. I recently learned uh, learned to play uh, the native flute. I have always wanted to do that, so I just did it. And now I'm learning to play the congas. Uh, I've never played them, but I've always loved them, and I'm just doing that. Additionally. Um, I, I've always left art. Um, I've dabbled in drawing and painting for for years with with not not any serious direction. And then I, after I retired, I applied myself to some classes. And uh, all the psychologists up in Northern California found my work, and <laughs> I ended up like yeah, I illustrated some books. Uh, it was a lot of a lot of fun. Yeah. So, and I'm eternally grateful to you for that. Now, um, after you retired, did you find it difficult to find a community of similar interests and ages? Uh, you mean of retired people, community of yeah. retired? Yeah, because I know that you moved from one area after you retired to another. <laughs> Yes, I did. I moved to the back country east of San Diego, and there are uh, a lot of retirees up in in, in the back country here. Uh, however, um, I I am not involved. I don't know. I just uh, I'm not drawn to get involved with uh, community groups, and uh, other than those that. Uh, or with the art. I, I do take an art class to this day, and uh, I'm involved with them. But um, I don't really require uh, a community of similar interests and ages. I'm very happy with who I am and how I am. You know, I want to go back to you were talking about learning new things in retirement. So, if listeners, if you go to the archive, Dr. William Birdsong, who is a physician in the emergency department of a huge HMO hospital um, was talking about just the same thing, about learning new things when you're older. And all the research shows that, boy, that keeps your brain alive and active as opposed to watching 90 Day Fiancé. <laughs> not to put that show down at all. Um, I, I watch it occasionally, I must admit. Okay. Now, Mr. Baronin, what are the top three best pieces of advice that you would give those who are considering retirement? Uh, um, I know that's a hard question. Well, first of all, First of all, think about retirement young, in your 20s. I know that's very hard. Almost impossible. (laughs) (laughs) 
nobody thinks you've heard this many times. You have to start putting away for retirement, young. Uh, I cannot stress how important it is to put away. I don't care if it's five dollars a week, but make a commitment to put something into a four hundred one k, something into a retirement account, uh, or, or have it matched by your employer. But to be involved in that early on in life, it's hard to catch up later. In fact, it's next it's next to impossible. Yeah. So uh, the first thing I would uh, of advice, first uh, piece of advice would be to start your retirement young, and I, even if it's minuscule, keep it up because it's a, uh, a hygiene of saving. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is that uh, I would say determine whether or not, do a, do a little inventory on yourself and determine whether you're you're passionate about your work or not. Um, you are still very active uh, uh, past the age of 62, which was my oh, age. Oh, come on. Everybody knows <laughs> still 29. Listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but you're passionate about it, and you love your work. Uh, some people may not be passionate. So I think that depending on what your work is, what you're involved in as your profession determines whether or not uh, you should consider retirement or not. If you're happy and doing what you like and love, do it. Um, I think that, that that would be a second piece of advice. And the probably the third thing I would offer is um, probably most important is you have I would say you the advice of being at peace within your inner being. You have to like yourself if you're going into retirement. If you do not like yourself and you're not at peace and settled within your heart, you're going to be miserable because you're going to spend a lot of time with yourself. Yeah, you need to come see me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That that is something to think about. You have to really like yourself. You do before you get into retirement, because I guess because you're with yourself so much. You do. You sit out on the front porch. I do, and uh, and look at amber light uh, at uh, sunset. Well, you know, I'm at peace with myself. I enjoy that, and I reflect on that when I sit out there. If I'm in a bunch of turmoil inside, the amber light will pass right over, and I will never, ever enjoy it. Well, we're going to have to take a commercial break in amber light. And listeners, we will be right back with Mr. Jack Veronin with us today talking about retirement, which is something I am way too young to consider, or at least (laughs) I like to tell myself that that's true. We will be right back. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. 
Hi, this is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour on America's Web Radio. If you'd like to hear an eclectic mix of great programs from relationships with Dr. Ann Schiebert to homegrown veggies and from classic cars to the Constitution, we've got programs for discerning listeners at www.americaswebradio.com. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Radio with Mr. Jack Veronin, who is talking about retirement with us this morning. Now, Mr. Veronin, because this is Relationship Radio, of course, I want to incorporate relationships into our conversation. After you retired, did the relationships you had with your adult children change, and if so, how? Uh, definitely. Um, I do have two adult children. And uh, when I was uh, in my final years of working, I was in Northern California. And, uh, of course, they lived in uh, Southern California. And after retirement, I uh, relocated down here into Southern California. And as a result, I'm much closer to my grandchildren and um, my children. And uh, we, we can interact and see each other now much more than we used to. So it's been very positive in that respect. I think that's just such a nice thing to be able to interact with your grandchildren and adult children. Oh, it's very important. A family yeah. is very important, uh, especially in retirement. To be a grandfather and and be a father and be able to uh, support them as in any way I can is is very nice. Yeah, I never had a grandpa. My grandparents. My grandfathers had, on both sides had died way before I was born. And so I'm kind of um, in awe and a little bit jealous of those of us who have a history of growing up with grand, uh, 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 grandpa. So um, now, lady listeners, lady listeners, pay attention. Mr. Veronin is single, so I'm going to be really <laughs> Please don't call me for information, though, because it's all private. Now, tell us about romance in retirement. I'm curious about this. Oh, <laughs> that's a loaded question. <clears throat> I know, I know. It's not meant to be embarrassing, but I bet there, are, in fact, I have 
patient to our single retired males who are having trouble and challenges in this just this area. And one of the things I hear, ladies, from my single retired males is that many of the women they run into only want to talk about their grandchildren. So, Mr. Veronin, tell us what romance for you, for the male, the other side of it, is in retirement. Well,
I think that's so interesting. So it's sort of like uh, uh, synchronicity. You happen to be there, somebody comes and sits next to you, and you start a conversation. Yeah, and not only that, uh, we live in a different world today in terms of uh, meeting women, I think. Uh, many years ago, we had uh, uh, the women's rights came into the workplace, into corporate America, and and there, there, there was a certain way that you had to behave as a male in the corporate environment with, with women now in the workforce, which didn't used to be back in the day. And so I think a lot of that carries over for me. Uh, if you approach a woman... Uh, and take the the uh, the, the, the initiate initiate uh, the the meeting. It almost feels uncomfortable because of that, in a sense. And I think there are many males that would be that way because that's that's the environment today. Like it or not, it's that's the way uh, the environment is today in the world. Yeah. Now. With that in mind, what does dating after retirement look like for you? Well, it's friendship. It's more friendship than dating. Uh, let's get together and go watch a movie. Or uh, how would you like to uh, take a trip and uh, go have uh, seafood, you know, at the beach mm-hmm. or something like that? Or there was a great art exhibit down at... Uh, down at uh, at some location. Let's go down and 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 see this exhibit and share uh, with each other and relate to what we're doing. That 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 is what dating looks like to me uh, at this age in retirement. We have a friendship. It's sort of like having an idea about what you'd like to do with some other person who's become a friend to you. Yes. Yes. Now, very much. So are you saying to me that really romance doesn't enter the picture so much? It's more friendship? See, I'm getting yes. down into the pity-gritty here. Well, that's true. And, and uh, like I said, the romance is within me. Um, I, have, I don't really... I don't know. When you get, when you get a little older, uh, you know, your body changes, your mind changes... Uh, you're not the same creature you were when you were 40 or even 50. And your your values and the way you approach things, the way you, the way I approach things, are different. It's different than it was even 10 years ago. So um, I, I don't see... You know, when you say romance, it, it depends. Do you mean sexual romance? Do you mean romance in terms of, you know, the arts and the passion and that kind of romance? I think it's more the latter myself as you get older into retirement. So the sex kind of takes a second period. Yeah, it's, it's a natural thing. Okay, well... Women, I don't know how you're liking that out there, and guys listening to this, I don't know either. (laughs) Um, So, do you find that women in your age range, let's say between 50 and 75, 
have the same take on dating that you have? And by that, I mean, do you find that they just want a friend? Or are the majority of them that you've met looking for more of a long-term romantic relationship? Ooh. (laughs) I know it. See, we're getting down there. Ah, those are really good questions, Dr. Ann. Um, I would say that, um, uh, oh, that's, I don't know quite how to answer that. I would say... So you have to be very politically correct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that that most women, uh, I would say most women want a long-term committed one-on-one relationship. I think they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little different that way. Um, I, I, I have been married. <clears throat> I have raised my children and my family through all those hardships. And when you're younger, you have, you come together to raise a family and raise some children into the, into the world. At this age where I am right now, um, I don't no longer have that need. I've done that. So my what I want out of a friend or out of a romance or out of a, uh, a relationship with a woman is not what it was years ago. It's different. It's morphed. It's changed. If you look around the world, around, just look at nature, everything changes. There isn't anything that's static out there. It all morphs into something. So it so it is with with us as beings. We change. So I think that's so wise a perspective because many of my patients have taken themselves out of their present context of their their age and their ability to do things, and they still think they're like thirty or forty, and so that they want the same kind of partner or relationship they had at that age. And then they find out, gosh, I'm really tired. I can't do it exactly the same way. And that's a really hard transition. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. And and I would say the majority of the women, however, that I meet, they, they would like some, some form of uh, stability one-on-one. I, I'm... Personally, I'm not looking for that at this point in my life. Okay, ladies out there, I know you're disappointed. Okay, (laughs) I'm going to ask you another question, which is germane to this. When you, and we're going to have to come up on a hard break, so maybe I'll hang on to this question. Okay. Um, But it's about when you tell women that you've dated that you're just looking for a pal, what does a female friend look like? And then I want to also ask you how they receive that. Do they go into denial like, okay, whatever, but I'm different, or do they accept that answer? So, listeners, we're going to be right back with the juicy part of this interview with Mr. Jack Baronin in a few moments. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. 
These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Welcome back, listeners, to Dr. Ian's Relationship Radio. We are here getting the intimate details of Mr. Jack Veronin's retirement, or at least we're trying to. And we're trying to get an idea about what romance and dating could look like in retirement. So before the break, Jack, I asked you, when you tell the women that you've dated that you're just looking for a pal, in your mind, what does a female friend look like? Well... A female friend would would is 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 a friend who would do things with me. First of all, I'm brutally brutally honest when I tell them that I I am looking for a friend and not for a long term committed relationship. Brutally honest. I am always honest about that. If I meet somebody that I like, mm-hmm. uh, that's first and foremost, so that. There are no, there's, there's nothing, no kind of a smokescreen here. And second, if if I find someone that is a, a woman who is interesting and and tell her what what that I would just like to be friends and have a friendship, um, it's it's imp- the way that the way that looks to me is that that person, each one of those women that I may have as a friend, uh, which might be several, uh, are each has their own unique talents and unique universe of, of beauty. There, there. Some are very bright. Some are very creative. Some are very spiritual, and somehow. Those friends from the female side, I have male friends too. I'm 
not gay or anything like that, but I mean, I have men who are friends of mine, genuine buddies. But women have a way of touching the backside of my head. <laughs> my, uh, there is a part of me that is feminine, and, and it comes out in my music, in my art, in my writing, in things like that. But they stimulate and show me life and mirror back to me life from that perspective which I and my male uh, being might just, well, will pass over. So yeah, I think it's very important to have women in your life, very important. They're, they're a beautiful gift to the world. Uh, especially to a man in terms of this this backside of my head. I don't know how else to explain it. No, I think you said it really well. And I find that my female single retired patients um, would like that as opposed to the guy who's just all about them, like I want, I need, blah, blah, blah. They go, okay, I've been there, done that, not doing it. Now I want to ask you another question. In your experience, do you find that women believe you when you tell them that you just want to be friends? Hmm. Um. <laughs> maybe, maybe up front, uh, I have. I have. Um, many, many women have have parted from me because it's not what they're looking for. It's not that it's right or wrong. It just doesn't match what they are looking for, and that's just fine. That is fine. Others have somehow, um, they like me. I'm, we're good friends. And I have, I have female friends that I've known 20 years or more. Mm-hmm. They've gone on and got married. And I'm, I'm still very good friends with them. They've gone on and have relationships. And, and they have a committed relationships. And I'm very good friends with them. Um, <laughs> says a lot about your ability to have different kinds of relationships in your life, no matter what the gender. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, and I think it's very rich. It's a very rich life to have that. For me, I'm saying for me, not for everybody. Some people, I think a a really committed relationship has its place. And for Mm -hmm. some people, that works and is necessary. I think it's very important, and even at my age. But for me, I'm only talking from my perspective, having gone through life, having gone through marriage, having gone through raising children, having gone through hardships. uh, At the present time where I am and involved in my my art and different things, that this works for me. Yeah. Now, can you tell us your thoughts about why some women ignore what you tell them? Like, I just want to be friends, and they go, I know better. You want to be friends, but I'm really special, they often think to themselves. And so we have this click, and I know that you're going to change your mind. Well, after a while, they understand that I'm not changing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And we have to go our ways. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of, of finding what what we want, uh, mm-hmm. each individual. Uh, if, you know, it, it's uh, uh, fruitless, there is no value in trying to force, you know, like a round into a square, how they say. Uh, it, it's better to 
be content and and move into what what they are and what I am. And eventually it, it sifts out. It's like a sifting. Now, listeners, I want you to know that this takes us back to one of my favorite sayings, which is, when people show you or tell you who they are, believe them. I didn't make up that saying, but I love that <laughs> saying because so many of us meet somebody and we think, oh, my gosh, there's such a click. I know this other person's going to change. Or if I could just change this other person, they would be perfect for me. So let's not take on projects. Let's believe that the people you meet are not going to change, and what you see is what you get. That is my number one cardinal observation. Now, Jack, for the next critical question I want to ask you. <laughs> you're, on a, you're on a roll, Dr. Ann. <laughs> I am on a roll. We're getting to the nitty-gritty of this. Would you ever consider remarrying? That's a yes or no question. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, at, at this point in time, the answer is no, but you never you never know for sure. I mean, things change in, in, in life. Things change. I never thought I would be doing what I am today at this age in my life and where I am. I never had this vision of where I'm, what I'm living right now. I'm going to cut to the chase on this, so I'm hearing your answer is no, but maybe. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know, but I think no. I, I'm very happy with myself, and I know, and I'm getting older, and I, I think that having some real genuinely good friends, which I do have for many, many years, mm-hmm. um, is just fine for me. Okay. Okay, so ladies, if some guy out there that you're meeting, or men, if some woman out there that you're meeting says, I have no interest in marrying, I just want to be a friend, I I really encourage you to believe them. Period. The end. Be a friend. There you go. Yep. Now, I want to ask you also, because this is an important question, do you think that you are the norm for single men in your age group? I don't either, because my retired single male patients want to find a woman and be in a committed relationship. Yes. And, and vice versa for the majority of women. Now, there are women out there who go to themselves, you know, I had a miserable one or two marriages, and I'm not doing that ever again. So... They date, they have a good time, they have male friends, kind of just like you, but they're not interested. But then there's another category who really are interested in that and finding a long-term committed relationship. So I guess it's different strokes for different folks, to quote an old, worn-out adage. Now, do you have any comments about that? Well, um, I think what really really cuts to the chase on this thing is that when I was doing the dog book that's the book that's coming out coming, yeah. I found I had dog tendencies <laughs> and, okay. and if uh, a woman get, doesn't believe me I just bark <laughs> okay <laughs> I want to ask you do you ever feel lonely and if not why not never 
uh, I, I've had people ask me that. I live alone on uh, on some acres in the back country, about four thousand feet elevation, and I I am honestly and truly telling you, I never ever ever feel lonely or hollow or cold inside at all. I there are more things to do. They say, Jack, what do you? do with yourself up there. I mean, geez, aren't you lonely? Don't, don't you get bored? There, There's not enough hours in the day. There are not enough hours in the day for me. I'm totally consumed every day. And uh, I think that uh, the reason I'm not lonely is I'm very much at peace. I am on a spiritual path with my Creator. I have a relationship with my Creator. Mm-hmm. And um, I am uh, I am at peace inside, and I think that's that's very important for anyone who's going into retirement and relationships is to be at peace with themselves inside, and then let everything else come to them. Well, listeners, there you have it: topics to consider as you near retirement or are already retired. And thank you so much, Mr. Jack Ronan, for being today's very informative guest. Listeners, retirement can be easy or challenging. If you've had an active, happy life with lots of interests, research indicates that you will also have a fulfilling retirement. If you've had a lot of turbulence in your relationships, if your job has been your identity, if you're not included in your children's lives, if you have no hobbies, unless you decide to change, research indicates that your retirement could be challenging. And in considering all of what you learned today, this is Dr. Ann Schiebert asking you to remember that only you can make your world the way you want it to be. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.